Hey everybody, welcome to the Monday edition of Winners and Winers Radio. I am your host, Scott Steen, the lead handicapper over at winnersandwiners.com. And I'm your co-host, Scott Reichel, senior handicapper over winnersandwiners.com. And together, we make up Winners and Winers Radio. Give us an hour and we'll give you the winners. Scott, big show today. We're going to do a little post-NFL breakdown or post-week one breakdown. Talk about... Who did well? Who did poorly? Where the surprises are? Who needs to panic? We got a lot of new. We got a lot of new segments that we're going to trot out here. And and don't but don't be freaked out. We're not. We don't have like uh, thirty second music drops for all of them. We're, some of them are just dry segments. We're going to do. You excited? Uh, yeah, looking forward to it. <laughs> Wish we had some more sound effects. Uh, you know, maybe if we had about <laughs> a three hour show instead of an hour, but. <laughs> Eventually, we're going to get to the point where the sound effects take up about half hour combined, and we're just talking for about 30 minutes. It was a good time yesterday. It was some seriously weird things going on, some seriously bad beats. One one Hall of Fame bad beat that we'll certainly get to, I promise. Scott, maybe one of the coolest things yesterday was uh, in tennis, not too far from your house, as Medvedev broke the string of Jokovic trying to Complete the calendar slam and got swept aside in straight sets, buddy. Yeah, I, I live bet the under, so it felt great. Very good. Very good. Live betting tennis on opening weekend for the NFL. There's a serious sports better right there, kids. He's not following along with the masses. He's uh, breaking away from the herd and making that money on tennis. So Whatever pays the rent, man. Absolutely. So, Scotty, we've got bonus beats to get to. We've got bonus rocking chair games you know, every day we come on and do the show, and I said we have a full slate of stuff today. Today, I'm not even lying, buddy. We've got like a 12-ounce jar. We've got 16 ounces of stuff, and we're just trying to stuff it in there and then screw the lid on. So we better get going, my friend. That's the point I'm trying to make. As we, uh, as we do like we always do, we're going to get started with the people that took it in the shorts, the people that thought they had a winner, and then all of a sudden... They didn't. You know who you are. Your pocketbook knows who you are. Your pocketbook. Good God. What am I in the 1930s? Your wallet knows who you are because you got robbed. And it's time to call the cops. All right, Scott. Let's uh, let's start it off, shall we? We got a lot of them. We do have a lot of them. We've got bonus beats. And I, and I might even have a sound effect for that at some point. Like, bonus beat, bonus beats. See, that's why we do sound effects. Mm-hmm. We'll start with the Friday night. Friday night, Scott. Remember Friday night? Oh, we were all wide-eyed and innocent. Oh, what a good time that was, filled with optimism. We had that UTEP team total over 16. Oh, God. I'd forgotten all about this. I actually had it at 15 and a half, Scott. Didn't matter, though, because they were well on their way. They're playing Boise State. UTEP, when you and I did this show... And we talked about this. I said, I'm not worried about it at all. You said, because they're going to need one in garbage time. I said, no, they're not. They're going to go down in there. They're going to score a touchdown on their first drive. They're going to keep on scoring until they go over the total. Scott, they scored on their first three drives. Not kidding. Uh, only, unfortunately, only one of those was a touchdown. So they had a they had 13 points in the first half. Uh, heartbreaking situation. They were at the eight-yard line, through an, inter- through an interception, second and goal with uh, those 13 points on the board. And at that point, you know, it's like when you're in, it's like when you're rolling in it and you look down and there's a quarter on the ground. You're like, I don't need that quarter. You just keep walking. That's the same thing with this. He goes, well, that's not three points, but we're not going to need those. They got a whole rest of the game to just get three more points. Scott, they didn't. They didn't. They put no more points on the board. Zero points for the rest of the second quarter. Zero points in the second half. They end up losing that one 54 to 13. If you had UTEP team total over 15 and a half, like I did on my play of the day, for God's sakes, call the cops. I don't care if it was Friday night. Call the cops. There's no statute of limitations on beats like that. And the second one was in college football with Clemson first half minus 34 and a half against South Carolina State. Clemson naturally up 35 points and had the ball with two minutes left in the second quarter. So Easy you're well street. on your way. Easy there's street. One thing, there's only one thing that can stop you, and that was what happened. Clemson fumbled the ball at its own 33-yard line, and South Carolina State made a field goal with 19 seconds left in the second quarter. Clemson went from up 35 with the ball 
to up 32 at the half. And you can rip up your first half minus 34 and a half ticket. Oof. All right. In the Battle of the Corn, the Children of the Corn up there, Scott, if you had Iowa, Iowa State, first half under 22 and a half, you're in great shape. By God, nobody wanted to score in this game. You're sitting 7-3 with a minute two left before halftime. Uh, uh-oh. Here comes the Iowa State Hawkeyes. They score a touchdown. You're still okay. You're still at 17. All you got to do... Oh, no. No, no, no. There they go. Iowa State touchdown. There's your halftime score. 14 to 10. You had first half under 22 and a half. For God's sakes, call the cops, would you? And now it's time to talk about some NFL. If you had San Francisco, minus eight and a half against Detroit, you were up at one point 28 points. On another point, you're up about 24 with a minute 57 to go. Lions score a touchdown, get the two-point conversion. Now then you need the onside kick. Nobody ever recovers those. Oh, don't read that note, were, by the way. <laughs> the Lions recovered, scored a touchdown, got another two-point conversion. 49ers, Debo Samuel catches the ball, picks up a first down, fumbles. The Lions have a shot to tie the game. They did not. The 49ers went from up 24 to up 8 in the span of about a minute and 10 seconds or so, then gave up the ball again and held on to win by eight. So rip up your eight and a half tickets before he does money line better survivor picks. That was a sweat and a half that didn't need to be there. That's like, by the way, I did have that as one of my premium picks. Um, that's, that's one like a top 10 beat. Probably if the lions would have been able to come back and score after they had the ball there and get another two-point conversion, take it to overtime and win, it would have been the number one Hall of Fame all-time bad beat. I'm declaring it right here. There would have been no beat in the history of professional football worse than that one. So I want to ask, how does it feel that you had that beat and you also had Pittsburgh in the preseason against the Lions? Which one was worse? Oh, this one was. This you think this one was absolutely worse? Absolutely was. But let me tell you about one that might have even been a little worse, Scott. Well, it wasn't worse. But I thought it was going to be my all-time bad beat of the day. That's not the way it turned out. If you had Arizona, Tennessee, over 53 and a half, again, like my premium subscribers did, Arizona, 38-13 in the third quarter. Three minutes, six seconds left in the third quarter. All we need is anything, anything, a field goal, a touchdown, anything. And Scott, we get nothing for 18 minutes they chunked it around. They had turnovers on downs. There were four turnovers in the game. Missed field goals twice. Oofta! That game ends at 51-38-13. If you had the Arizona-Tennessee over 53.5, oof. I'm sorry, players. Call the cops. Yeah, so there were a lot of really, really bad beats, but there were also a lot of rocking chairs to talk about. There was. There was. Let's get to it. Let's talk about the people that maybe it went a little better for them. Nice, easy victories. You were on the right side of destiny because you were sitting in the rocking chair. So, the first one was in college. If you had Georgia minus 22 against UAB, you're up 21 points in the first quarter with the backup quarterback. Then you led a 35 to nothing at halftime and won the game 56 to 7. So if you had Georgia minus 22, the backup quarterback did you a real solid there. You know, we learned in that game, Scott, UAB playing defense in their conference is a whole lot different than playing defense in the SEC. That is definitely true. As far as the Georgia offense, what he, he had like five touchdown passes. It was just it was just ridiculous, like in the first half or something stupid. It was, it was like Jameis Winston yesterday. He had like five touchdowns with like 14 completions or like 10, and you're like, what are you even doing? No, you know, that's right the uh, lowest number of completions ever for uh, five touchdown passes. He also had like 140 yards. No, no, it was lowest, yard, lowest yardage so, for five touchdown yeah, passes. I'm so. sorry, yes. Scott, if you had Colorado plus 17 and a half, hey, like I did, I made that pick on Colorado uh, Radio on Saturday. Texas A&M. In great shape. Colorado played them tough the whole way. They never trailed by more than three points. Never really threatened to win, but uh, A&M couldn't score nothing. Nothing. Colorado ends up losing this game 10-7. If you had 17 and a half, you were in good shape because Texas A&M, they didn't even get to 18 by themselves. They couldn't even have covered if they would have shut out the Buffaloes. Uh, yeah, you were sitting in the rocking chair with the Buffs for sure. And now switching over to the NFL, if you had the Eagles plus three and a half against the Falcons, you were in good shape because the Eagles led after every quarter 
by at least four points. And the Eagles ended up winning by 26. It's tough to not cover three and a half when you're receiving it and the other team doesn't score a touchdown. And one of the more surprising games of the day, if you had the Saints plus three and a half against Green Bay, you were never in trouble. You had 17 to three at halftime. The final on this one ended up being 38 to three. If you had famous Jameis and the Saints, there was no question because you were sitting in the rocking chair. Don't really have much more to add than that. Uh, yeah, pretty much. A lot of really bad beats on the gridiron. Did you take that one out? Why'd you take, why'd you take the next one out? Well, because I figured we did so many. I figured you'd want to actually talk about recapping the games. Well, we will. We will. Okay, fine. I wanted to do... the, if you had the Blue Jays yesterday. Yeah. Okay. And you had them run line minus eight and a half, nine and a half. Who cares? They scored 22 runs. Does that make it happen? Yes, it does. They Okay, cool. They what were they up 15 to three or something or what, after three innings? Uh, yeah, they scored like 11 runs in the third inning alone. Okay. It, it was a huge waste of time, but I was trying to save us time. You know, you had to take a couple ounces out so you can fit the whole thing into the jar or whatever you were talking about. But instead, yeah, we spent the same amount of time talking about why I took it out at the last minute. Oh, far more. He spent far more. All right. So, Scott, here's a new segment that we're going to talk about. I know these are the big things that everybody's playing right now. These are like the fantasy football of 20 years ago. And it's Survivor Contest. Scott, everybody's got their Survivor Contest. It used to be, I can't remember what they used to call it, but you used to have to pick a loser. You just picked one loser every week. So they turned it into the other way around. Anyway, survivor picks, you know, a lot of people had to be on the Niners. Scott, we didn't even take a look at that. We didn't, we didn't even plan this ahead. But give me, looking at the board, where did the survivors get injured? Who, who, took, who took a beat on survivors on well, week number one? Well, if you wanted to be a, I'd say, I don't want to say contrarian, but if you wanted to go for a little bit of a sharp pick that might have been a little bit too sharp for you, it was Jacksonville. Right. Because a lot of people are going to be fading Houston with the new quarterback with Lawrence. You heard good things about Urban Meyer. I tweeted out a couple of weeks ago, I thought Houston would have a better record than Jacksonville at the end of the season. And I believe you scoffed at me when I ended up typing that out. And, still, uh, still one yeah. game. You pumped the it's week one, but we'll see. Jacksonville's defense, not good, but that was definitely a beat there. Decent amount of people had New England uh, trying to fade uh, Tua in week one. I didn't really agree with that one, but still. Uh, I know that people had the Packers against Jameis Winston. I'd that say that's work out. that's a big. Yeah, I'd say the Bills is probably the other big one. The Bills was the other big one. I would say that the main ones though were the Buccaneers on Thursday night, which ba- who barely held on. Mm-hmm. You had the Panthers against the Jets, which worked out. You had the Rams, which of course worked out. And yeah, I, I, did I say the Niners already? I'm not sure, but yeah, the nine. Yeah, you talked about that they barely held on, right? Other than that, those were the main ones. Okay. They all basically won. A little bit dicey in all those cases, but they all held on. Other than that, no, I think that was pretty much it. You pl- you play Survivor? Yeah, I had the 49ers. Yeah, the 49ers. Yeah, good call. I did. Win. I'm happy I took them. Now Verrett's out for the year, and I don't have to deal with them ever again. Yep, that's exactly who. That's who, exactly who I had as well. So, all right, very good, um, Scott. Hey, you'll be excited about this. Here's a segment with sound effects. One of our favorites. Let's find out who it was, Scott. We've got a. Uh, We've got a couple competitors here, and it uh, could be a close one. So we're gonna we're gonna give two feed bags away. Let's find out who was uh, donkey of the day. All right, go ahead. So I was watching this live for reference here. Now Florida State had a very very close but heartbreaking loss against Notre Dame last week, and they thought, you know, we got a layup on the schedule. We got Jacksonville State. Up next, they're favored by about 29 points. And Florida State is winning the game with about, eh, let's just say for the sake of this experiment, seven seconds left. Let's say that, right? And Jacksonville State has the ball. They're about 60 yards from the end zone, whatever. They're down three. At the end of the day, Florida State could have two approaches here. One, you put everyone in the end zone to prevent the Hail Mary. Right. Or B, you put everyone in the end zone to prevent the Hail Mary. I was going to say, you, you can rush two and drop nine, or you could rush three and drop eight. It's really your but two choices. But either way, Mike Norvell decided, you know, maybe they might go for a little 20-yard completion yeah. to maybe set up a field goal or something. I'm sure. assuming that's what was going through his head. Jacksonville State chucked it up. wasn't even really a Hail Mary. It was mostly just one receiver on a go pattern. The Jacksonville State quarterback realized... One-on-one on, one on one coverage, by the way. One-on-one on one coverage. No help he over the top. I have to throw this because there is no time left. Chucked it up, caught at the 20, 
Then Florida State's cornerbacks basically bumped into each other, and Jacksonville State won the game on a Hail Mary with one go pattern. Yeah. yeah Is that did. basically the way to sum it up? So Mike Norvell for – I know you can argue the defensive coordinator as the head coach. You should overrule every single thing besides prevent in that situation. That is a fireable offense by a coach that I don't think is any good. You? Yeah, no, that's you're, you're playing. Huh, you're playing single high man with. No, that's no. It reminded me of the Raiders Jets game last. Yes, year. yes, very with similar. The single high with rugs who ended up going over the top. It, yep. was, it looked like the exact same thing, except the, the Florida State actually had two guys there to make the tackle, and they both missed the tackle, and Jacksonville State won. But you gotta play prevent there. I mean, what are you even doing? It's, it's not even a question. Not not even a question. So you know, a couple of weeks ago we took Jacksonville State and it didn't work out. They looked terrible. I can't, I can't remember who they played. They played they somebody. Played UAB. That's right. They, that's right. Oh, UAB. Yes. Don't even get me started. But so and I, and I told you at the time I said this is a good team. They can throw the ball. They have a decent offense. And they showed none of that against UAB. And then in Florida State they come out and look like the second coming. All so. I know is we talked about Florida State and we said straight up Notre Dame won the game. Are we sure Florida State's going to make a bowl game? They're not making a bowl game. They lost to Jacksonville State. They're not reaching six wins. It's a bad look. Bad look for sure. Scott, a lot happened today, and we want to talk about whether it's time to freak out or time to chill out. By the way, you are listening to Winners and Winers Radio. Give us an hour, and we'll give you the winners. So this is our NFL segment, Scott. This is freak out or chill out. First up on the list, Bills. They lose 23-16 to Pittsburgh. They outgained the Steelers 371 to 252. Bills had more first downs, more time of possession. We worry about this. Time to freak out about the Bills. They were supposed to easily handle this Pittsburgh team, and they fell apart coming down the stretch. Time to freak out in Buffalo? I would say no, but it also depends on what your expectations for this team are. This team's the best team in the division. They'll still win the AFC East, but if your goal is to hypothetically dethrone Kansas City, and reach a Super Bowl for the first time in about 20, 30 years. This team, based on what I saw in week one, still has too many flaws to do that. So I'm going to say chill out because they'll still make the playoffs. They'll still be fine as long as Josh Allen stays healthy. But this team clearly, as of right now, doesn't have what it takes to win a Super Bowl. They don't have that championship medal right now. Is that what you're saying? I just didn't see the same level of, I would say, execution late that you'd see from Tampa or from a Kansas City, or from some of these other teams that are trying to contend. Buffalo at home, I know Pittsburgh has a good defense and all. You got to win that game. Yeah. Like, you have to win that game. What did, what did you think about the Bills' execution today, Scott? Uh, not good. Oh, Scott. I didn't think all the players Scott, needed to be executed. I, if that's what yeah, you're I set you up to show people how the joke was supposed to be done. I know, and I ruined it just like uh, Coach Kelly. <laughs> it's the same comedic timing as Coach mm-hmm. Kelly. Very good. Yeah, I'm not I'm not going to freak out about the Bills quite yet. That's a very good Pittsburgh defense, and they kind of, I wouldn't say had their way with them, but now they had their way with them for about three quarters until it actually mattered. It was really just red zone execution that was the issue, but a couple of strip sacks by Watt, of course, ended up playing a factor. Yep. At the end of the day, the Bills were in the red zone a couple of times. They just had to keep settling for field goals. Yep, that's absolutely true. All right, Kansas City Chiefs, Scott, they end up pulling out a late victory against the Cleveland Browns at home, winning 33-29. Chiefs, supposed to be the class of the NFL. They looked anything but for about three quarters. Time to freak out in Kansas City, Scott, or chill out? You have Mahomes. Calm down. You'll be in the Super Bowl. Just just relax. It's all good. As long as he's healthy, you're going to the Super Bowl. Don't have to worry about this defense that gave up six yards of carry on, on the ground. Uh, they just keep... to ask, how many points did the Chiefs score in the game? 32, I believe. They 33? scored, they scored 33, 33. That's correct. I think the offense can handle it. Okay. All right. So we just, it's as long as we can throw three, 11 guys on the field defensively, it doesn't matter. Yeah. They can throw us out there. Who cares? Okay. We'll make the Super Bowl anyway. All but right. I mean, the Browns are what? Like the third best team in the AFC, yeah, arguably? That's about right. Okay, Chiefs won. They beat the third best team in the conference. So and that was a, and, and that was a game you know Cleveland was fired up for. They, of course, they were ready all, won the game. all year long for that. Oh, absolutely, they should have won the game. No question about Kansas it. Kansas City found a way because they have the best quarterback in the entire league. I thought so. the kid that dropped the punt. 
I thought when he dropped the punt, I thought he panicked. I thought if he had just quick kicked it, I think he could have still got it down the field 20, 30 See, yards. I thought he was trying to do a college rugby kick when he started running to the side. Right. And then he just held the ball. Yeah. That didn't, I didn't understand. If I'm being honest, I don't think it mattered. I think Kansas City would have scored a touchdown anyway. Right. He just handed them a free touchdown. Yeah. I think the only difference is there is you wouldn't have had a chance for Baker to get the ball with a couple minutes left on the clock. He really did a lot with that final possession, by the way. <laughs> but Dirty Dan Sorensen getting that uh, I'm, like, I'm shoestring to tackle out because Kansas City's defense was as was awful. So was Tampa Bay's. Okay, like, Kansas City won the game. Who cares? All right, very good. Uh, the Packers, Scott. Now, surely there might be a little cause to freak out about this game because they got what do you what do you what do you want to call it? Gollywomped, curb stomped. They got beat 38-3 to by Crab Legs and the rest of the New Orleans Saints. Is it time to freak out a little bit in Green Bay? And, and let's not talk about divisionally, because that's a terrible division. We saw that. But is it time to freak out about their NFC championship chances? I am going to be consistent with what I said about the Bills, which is the fact that this team should win the division anyway. Fun fact, Packers still tied for first place. Mm-hmm. Shout out to them. Mm-hmm. But... At the end of the day, I look at this team and I say to myself, can you beat Tampa Bay? Because I'm assuming all of us are assuming Kansas City and Tampa Bay are probably going back to the Super Bowl based on just if everything went out the way it was supposed to, allegedly. The odds say that's what's supposed to happen as far as the betting odds. No, of course. The the odds of it actually happening say that's not going to happen. Yeah, of course. Playoffs, uh, you know, are always one game and injuries and stuff like that. But the point is, if you're assuming that the team to beat in your conference is the favorite, so Kansas City in the AFC, Tampa Bay in the NFC. Do I think this Green Bay team is good enough to beat this Tampa team potentially on the road this time and not in Lambeau because you're a game behind for home field? No. So I think your concern there, having said that, we both didn't really think Minnesota was going to be great. We thought they'd be okay. Chicago we thought would implode, and we thought the Lions were going to be terrible. So the Packers can pretty much moonwalk into a 9-8 and eight season, and they'll probably win the division. Yep. We, I, I think the couple of divisional previews that we talked about were very, very accurate, at least after week one. We talked about the NFC West being head and shoulders better. The best I'll tell you right now, though, whatever the odds are on Green Bay to win the division, I know that it was about minus 160 mm-hmm. going into the whatever. Lay it. There's not another team that's beating Green Bay for the division unless Rodgers gets injured. Okay. Like, right. I'm supposed to be impressed because Minnesota lost to Cincinnati or the – Bears got destroyed by the like no, all these other teams are bad. Green Bay's gonna coast through a division title. You know, I were you well, we're gonna talk about surprises here in a minute. We're gonna talk about it, but I think you'd agree with me if it's still minus 160 for Green Bay, even though every team lost. I'm more concerned about the other teams trying to dethrone Green Bay because Green Bay is still much more talented than every other team in that division. Okay. And uh, the last one I've got on my list is the Tennessee Titans. God, they were Supposed to be uh, taking a, another step in the right direction as they signed Julio Jones over the offseason. And they lose by 25 at home to uh, the Arizona football Cardinals. Time to freak out in Nashville or chill out? I mean, I would freak out. You're one game behind the Texans for first place. I don't know if you can actually make up that difference, but that's another really bad division. Like, wow, they're bad. But anyway, it's awful. I am concerned for Tennessee. The issue I have is the fact that Vrabel, of course, played linebacker and he has a defensive mind, yet his defense is awful every year he's been there and they didn't address any issues they had during the previous year. The issue was the pass rush and the secondary. How'd that work out? He gave up 38 points in three quarters. Looked a lot like it did last season, you know, and I have another issue with Vrabel. I didn't even talk about this. It was... It was kind of convoluted to stick in our... In Is it our, the settling for field goals when you're down like four touchdowns well, in the fourth quarter? Well, it was... No, it was settling for field goal when it was a, still a competitive game, when it was four, oh, okay. when it was fourth and one at the 35, and they decided to kick the 52-yard field goal and miss it instead of going for it, Scott. You in can't, his defense, he did punt in that situation against the Ravens in the playoffs last year. I, I don't understand it. This it's, You know, these guys, and they all... They all talk about how they're going to follow analytics. We have a whole analytics. And then, I mean, I roasted McCarthy for this on Thursday when we talked, on Friday when we talked about it. It's not even close. If you look at the analytics of that situation, it's not even close. And Tannehill's a big guy. 
Hell, you can even throw Derrick Henry at quarterback for a that's play. That's the and thing. Sneak for a that's yard. that's my point. Number one, why don't you run Tannehill? Number two, why don't you use the toughest short yardage running back of the 2010s or the 20 or the 20 the 2020s, whatever of the last 10 years? Run Derrick Henry in that spot. I don't understand it. I, it's, but I, they might win the division anyway. That whole division's bad. At the end of the day, though, Titans defense, if you're doing fantasy, daily fantasy, that's a matchup you should target almost every time. Yeah, abs- absolutely correct. You know, I didn't I didn't have him on my list, but I probably should. Speaking of that AFC South, this is another team that was supposed to contend for the lead, and that's the, the Indianapolis Colts. They got curb stomped by the Seahawks. Can you give them a pass, though? Sorry to interrupt, but... I think Seattle might just be good. Do I give them a pass by for losing by 12 points at home on opening day? I know no, that's I don't not give a good a look. But no, can we that's... acknowledge, though, with Nelson being injured, the fact that Seattle actually looked like a pretty solid football team? Like, the other teams you can mention with New Orleans had quarterback question marks, and you talk about some of these teams are losing to whatever. But Seattle's been a playoff team for, what, the last 10 years? Yeah. So I can somewhat give them a pass there. And they travel and they looking. travel extremely well for a West Coast team, by the way. Yeah, so I'm not going to fully panic on the Colts because our expectations were low anyway. Right. I think their performance is more excusable than the Titans. Okay. All right. Yeah, I, I would. I think I can make a pretty good case the Seahawks are a better team than Arizona. Although you know, team than Indy. So although I did I ta- roast the Colts for losing to a better team. No. Okay. All right. Fair enough. So you're not you don't care you're just like well. I don't care because I don't think any team in the AFC South was going to contend for anything besides maybe Tennessee because people love the offense. But did Julio do anything? I don't know. I, I know don't... AJ Brown had a touchdown. I yeah. know that Tannehill struggled completely and Henry did nothing. But well, you know when when I watched him, he didn't do anything. But I I don't know for sure. The only thing I know is that Indianapolis got embarrassed by Russell Wilson. Julio, I'm Julio. sure every franchise in the league has been embarrassed by Russell Wilson. Julio had three for 29, by the way. Fantastic. That's a great trade you guys made during the offseason. Yeah, Can you play cornerback? That's, that's fantastic. Oh, all right. So uh, I'm going to give the Colts a pass. I, I just think that Seattle's a better team than Indianapolis. All right, good enough. All right, that's, uh, you know, and, and, that's, and that's legit. And, you know, well, okay, we'll, we'll, talk, we'll talk about it here in a minute. We're going we're gonna to talk about the things... That surprised us with this NFL opening weekend. I was going to bring up Houston Texans. Were you surprised they look like a competent football team, or is it just completely you have to factor in who they were playing? I think that we talked about the game on uh, for the NFL show, and I said straight up Jacksonville's defense might be the worst in the league. I watched them in preseason. I watched the depth. I saw that roster. It's awful. It's one of the worst defenses I've ever seen. So I am a little bit surprised that Tyrod Taylor took as many deep shots as he did. Am I surprised Houston won the game? Not really. I thought that the game would be closed. I thought Jacksonville would pull it out. But at the end of the day, I'm not fully surprised. I guess the biggest surprise from that game, Cully actually looked like a competent head coach. And Mm -hmm. I wasn't sure if he was going to. I actually just liked what he was doing for the entire game. Not bad. It wasn't bad at all. You know, this is a... Lawrence has a lot of work to do. And I think nothing sums it up more the fact... Uh, DJ Chark was targeted 12 times at three catches, Scott. Three catches for 86 yards, by the way. But he had a touchdown. But he did have a touchdown. But I'm, what I'm saying is if you're only if if you're only getting the ball to him three out of 12 times, it's going to be a long season, buddy. It reminded me of Cam Newton's debut. Put up a huge stat line, threw a couple picks, and you thought, you know, there's promise here, but he's got to make better decisions with the ball. You can't turn it over three times against Houston secondary. No, that's just absolutely brutal. And they weren't and they and they didn't do a great job shutting down the Houston run game either. That was that was Yeah, uh, that was a problem. I, I just I I just really, really didn't understand it. You let Mark Ingram go for 80, 85 and uh yeah, everybody got in on the fun there. So I think my biggest surprise if I had to pick one quickly would be the Eagles. I thought the Eagles would win. I had I had money on them on the money line to win the game because I think Atlanta, as I told you before, Awful. would finish in the last place. I thought they were one of the worst teams in the entire league, uh, just by what I saw in preseason and the lack of depth there. I was going to say you can't you can't judge by preseason ever. I can judge except, by depth. except when you can. I can judge by depth. And the point that I was saying was that defensively they looked so lost during the preseason, and I knew how bad the starters were last year. Yep. I just thought they were a lost cause. But Philly with Hurts and Sirianni's system and Devontae Smith, 
they look pretty good. Uh, they look competent. Of course, they looked a lot better because Atlanta's defense is awful, but they actually had a system in place. They looked like they could potentially contend, quote unquote, for the NFC least division. All right. Very good. And stay tuned, guys. We're going to keep uh, giving you our impressions on the NFL opening day, opening weekend, right after this. So, Scott, last time we were out in Vegas, every time we were trying to have a nice meal, what is the number one question you kept hearing whenever we were at dinner? Are you going to finish that? What? Appetizers, entrees, sides. You're always asking if I was going to finish what I was eating. Okay. Hey, in my defense, you eat slower than a turtle on Xanax. But, okay, let me make the question a little easier. What's the number one question you would get from people when you tell them you work for Winners and Winers? What's Winners and Winers? Exactly. So what do you tell them? I tell them that it is the place to go for your sports betting needs. They have breakdowns on every single game in a variety of sports, basketball, football, college football. We know that's coming up. It's been really a great opportunity to just get better at sports betting, and they give you all the opinions that you need. Yeah, see, and the thing I like about it is the fact that they don't just inundate you with numbers that have no context. You know, you go to some places and they just throw numbers, 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 but they don't tell you what they mean, and you just kind of your eyes glaze over but these guys, not only do they use those same numbers and put them in context, but they're fantastic writers. They're great handicappers. You mentioned college football coming up. That's my favorite time to use winners and winners because they do every FBS game every single week. It is a fantastic site. Scott, what's the best part about winners and winners? It's absolutely free to use. That's right. It is absolutely free to use. Winnersandwinners.com. You absolutely have to check it out. You need to make this site part of your daily handicapping regimen. If you are not doing it, you are absolutely leaving money on the table. So, see, that wasn't that hard at all, right? Sure. You're still getting none of my fries. What? I, I didn't I didn't say a word. I saw you looking at them. Seriously, dude, it's it's been like an hour. If you're not going to eat them. Oh, man, that's brutal. All right, fine. Seriously, though, winnersandwiners.com. Go there or be square. everybody welcome back to the second half of winners and winners radio give us an hour and we'll give you the winners well scott your jets were in action they knew the debut of the new look jets new quarterback heading down there to carolina to show old sam darnold what's what and how'd that go i picked the panthers to win so i wasn't exactly surprised by the outcome darnold looked okay am i impressed that the Panthers only scored 19 points against the Jets injured defense. No, but Darnold had moments. That, was I overly impressed? No. Zach Wilson, I thought was fine. The first three quarters were pretty hideous, or the first two and a half. But I can't even blame Wilson. That offensive line for the Jets, even before Beckton got injured, and especially after, was just so bad yep. that Wilson was running for his life that he, the entire game. However, I am going to give the Jets props because they were getting killed and they actually made a bit of a game out of it. So I'm impressed they didn't roll over. Wilson showed some resolve, made some good throws. Corey Davis looked great, which we talked about during the preseason because he had two touchdowns. I love that kid coming uh, so much coming out of Western Michigan. I thought he was going to be an absolute stud in this league. Yeah, and then he got overshadowed in Tennessee by A.J. Brown, but he's still a very good player. So the Jets, we thought going in, would win four or five games, give or take. Mm -hmm. Did anything change from that? No, I thought Carolina would win. I thought Rule was the better coach. But there's such a terrible offensive line and such a bad running game that I'm not surprised by the outcome. But I was optimistic from what I saw about Zach Wilson. I saw with Zach Wilson in his professional debut. 45 yards rushing, Scott. It was hideous. Not good. Not not good at all. And like you said, now Beckton's hurt. So, all right. Uh, does that did, did anything change about Carolina? Did, did Carolina impress you? Do you think they have an sh outside shot at a wild card because of this game, or did that uh, anything get you excited? Because they beat the Jets? That's what I'm just saying. Did, did they show you anything, not necessarily the final score, but did you say, I like the scheme they're running, I like the defensive pressure, anything about the Carolina Panthers stand out, or just the fact they survived and advanced against the Jets? I like that McCaffrey had basically the same amount of rushing as receiving yards. That's usually a good sign because he's a phenomenal player. He's got the ball in his hands every time he can, but right. I had Carolina going 7-10. and 10. I still think they're going seven and 10. I don't consider the jets 
I don't want to say a real football team, but I think you know what I mean. There are tiers here. Carolina is maybe a C tier. Jets are a D. Like you're supposed to beat up on the weaker teams at home. That's about right. It's that's it's like the dog races. If you mm-hmm. they were moving down in class. Vikings, Bengals, no surprises there. One of those teams had to win. I I'd like actually I, one of them did not have to win. I was kind of rooting for the tie. The, the tie. Yeah, Bengals. Do, do you think either team there deserved to win the game? I didn't. Yes. I both teams just squandered a bunch of chances over and over again. Well, somebody deserved to win. <laughs> Sorry. Minnesota deserved to lose when Cook fumbled the ball, of course, in overtime, but. Jamar Chase looked good. Cousins looking in prime uh, Sunday afternoon form, 351 yards, two touchdowns. When I saw him take that sack on like second and goal and lost 10 yards in like the second quarter, I'm like, that's prime Kirk Cousins right there. Absolutely brutal. Pretty good football game early between the football team and the Chargers. Chargers end up coming back to get the win there. What do we see in this one? Uh, we, we're going to see a lot of Taylor Heineke. I'll tell you that much because Fitzpatrick getting injured in the first quarter or so, second quarter, was a shock to me because Fitzpatrick has been durable most of his career. Do I think that impacts the NFC East division standpoint? Not really. I didn't think Heineke was that bad. 11 for 15, 122 yards with a TD, Scott. Some of it was dump off stuff, but I thought he was fine overall in the defense. We know how good that Chargers offense can be. There weren't many easy yards against that Washington defense. Now, uh, at the end, Los Angeles had a huge drive to kill the entire, like, seven minutes on the clock. But Washington's defense looked really good against that offense. The offense, without Fitzpatrick, maybe you can give Heineke and Alex Smith roll. Don't turn the ball over. Move the ball down occasionally. And we'll take our chances and a lot of unders for betters. Yep, agreed. Packers Saints, we already talked about that one pretty, pretty much. Yeah, Giants and the Denver Broncos, Scott. After uh, after scoring no points in the first quarter, people actually had to sweat the under in this one a little bit. As it ended at 40, 41 and a half was the total. Well, people had to sweat it, friendly reminder, because the Giants scored a meaningless touchdown with no time left on the clock. But you don't have to go for two. You don't have to kick the extra point. You don't have to do anything. So the touchdown meant absolutely nothing. Yeah, that's right. That's absolutely right. So... Uh, anything surprising in that game? Teddy Bridgewater looked pretty good. Uh, my main, t- I, my main takeaway. I actually leaned to the Giants when we did the NFL show. I was a little bit surprised at how bad the Giants looked. Now I'm not saying the Giants are a good team. I'm not saying they're even a mediocre team. The last year they were a little bit frisky at times. I know they beat Seattle in Seattle with Colt McCoy at quarterback, and you thought, you know, maybe they're working on something. Maybe Joe Judge year two might find something maybe they'll win seven games maybe they're just a bad team daniel jones played well enough to win scott uh once again he had a rushing touchdown with no time left he he stat padded for a decent amount of the four 22 well okay he's 22 of 37 for 267 the game was lost by the fact that saquon barkley went 10 carries for 26 yards and Melvin Gordon went 11 carries for 101. There's your difference right there in the game. It's the difference, but we always talk about how running backs are replaceable and how they're expendable and stuff like that. I'm not blaming Barkley for a loss. I, I, I can't do well, that. Well, if, you, if, if you're long, averaging t- 2.6 yards a carry and you can't keep drives going, yeah, you can put a, you can put a decent amount of his on his doorstep. I disagree. I'm blaming the defense for making Teddy Bridgewater look like he was dialed in, and it wasn't a, a QB controversy between him and Drew Locke. Like Bridgewater torched that team for pretty much the entire second half. Well, that's true. I, yeah. I blame the defense. Well, and the defense was terrible as far as stopping the rush too. So yeah, yeah. Bridge and Bridgewater put up some good numbers. Well, the Andy Dalton era got underway, Scott, in in Chicago, and a stunning development that really surprised no one. Uh, turned the ball over twice in the first half. Shocker. Also a red zone pick, which I'm sure nobody else saw. That's what I'm saying. He had a, uh, that's right. In the second half, he had a red zone pick. Yep. It was, it was three times, wasn't it? Because then they failed uh, two separate fourth down conversions. Did he end up with? It? No, he just threw. No, he just threw one interception. No, he threw the one interception, but they had two turnover on downs in like the first half. Yeah. In addition to the interception. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and then the fumble. Yeah. Not good. Not not ideal at all. Uh, I was surprised in this one by the fact the Bears were able to run the ball that well. Uh, yeah, that was a bit surprising. I, I definitely did not expect Montgomery to go for 100-plus or the first carry to go for 40-plus. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, six, I mean, I six. thought Stafford will look good. He looked really good mm-hmm. with that team. I mean, he looked great. That was my. I think that was my biggest surprise. It wasn't even the fact that Dalton struggled 
I mean, the Bears, they are who we thought they were. It's just they're not a very good football team based on who their quarterback is. However, I didn't think Dalton was the reason why they lost. I was shocked how bad the defense was. Yeah. The defense was awful. Well, the, de- the I, I didn't I wasn't really that impressed with either defense. I mean, the, the the Rams stepped up when they needed to. No, correct. But the point is, you know, the Bears actually started making it a one possession game in the second half, and you thought, okay, you know, maybe you can get me a stop, maybe you can do something, right? And they couldn't. And the Rams just went like six straight plays, eighty yard touchdown. Here yeah, they get they they'd get a they'd get a penalty against them. Wouldn't matter. Down in the distance, didn't matter. They'd still be able to pick up the first down. I was uh, impressed. My with takeaway it. was the Bears' defense was just really, really underwhelming. Yeah, and if if you're the Bears and you ain't got a defense, you got big problems right there. Yeah. Justin Fields will be the starter when, Scott? Week four? Uh, yes. I was thinking around week three, week four. I know we had a touchdown in the first game, but that was a gadget play, kind of like what the Niners did with Trey Lance. It means absolutely nothing. All right. Very good. Anything else before we move on oh we want to talk about oh we did we haven't even done this yet we want to talk about the odds makers being drunk scott we haven't even done it my god we're just we're just cruising here buddy let's find out why were the odds makers drunk this weekend a lot of reasons but we've got really one really good one All right, my friend, we talked about this game a lot because it's another game up there in Iowa between Iowa teams. Weird things happen in September in Iowa. Iowa State, Scott, was a four-and-a-half-point favorite against Iowa. Why would that be? Any idea? Well, I heard Iowa State was supposed to compete for a title this year or, or something. Right. And, you know, I heard they didn't have great success against Iowa in the last, I don't know, ever. <laughs> Is that, is that a fair way to put it? No, yeah, that's that's right. That's... But it's not even about them being favored to win. It was the margin that they were favored to win, which made absolutely no sense because Iowa State had not beaten Iowa by more than three points since 2005. That's right. Reminder, they play every year. I haven't covered the number in 15 years. They haven't covered the number. That number. A, that number in a long time. Now, of course, the number was never like that before, but – you're really going to make this team a four-and-a-half-point favorite and they have won by more than a field goal since 2005? Made no sense to me at the time. Made no sense to me when the game was over. Iowa wins outright by 10 points in a game Iowa I know State. we both said we liked Iowa and the money line Loved for them. Iowa. Yep. That worked out. Yep, it certainly did. We were, we were geniuses when it came to the children of the corn up there, Scott. No question about it. Hey, speaking of the NCAA, any other takeaways from this weekend's action? What'd you, what did you see? What did you... Uh, what did you see that you liked? What did you see that you didn't like? Did Alabama not cover? Does that scare you? You think Alabama's bad now? They're nervous. I mean, Saban's terrible when they're laying 50-plus. But <laughs> my main takeaway wasn't even a surprise takeaway. It was a little bit based on the outcomes of the upsets, but it was the fact that it's the same story, different year. Texas, USC, they're not back. They are just not back. We, we got to keep talking about it because every year they try to tell you they're back, they're doing something. And this year was different because Texas actually won a week one game. Right. And then they laid the egg in week two. So which of those games was a bigger surprise to you? USC gotta, getting got to be USC. Yeah. Because that Stanford, be. that Stanford team against K state. I believe me after seeing K state in person, I, I hated Stanford even more. I'm like, there's no way this team can compete with USC. Well, Stanford did switch quarterbacks, which appeared to do a lot because right. the new quarterback was pretty good. But even Texas, I was leading to Texas in that game because I didn't think Arkansas looked great against rice, but the spread was kind of indicating with all the money that came in that Arkansas might've been alive in that spot. There was no money coming in on Stanford. I don't think anybody thought after losing by that margin to Kansas state no. that they would, be able to compete let alone win in the coliseum that was definitely not something that was expected that was one of the more surprising upsets of the weekend agreed agreed i had them there and it didn't work out well by the way we did we did run our premium streak to 12 straight scott we started with two victories on saturday we we had my we had uh uh, we we had the over in the uh, Western Kentucky and Army game, which, by the way, that Western Kentucky, that's going to be a dead over team all year long. We got, we got that at 51 and a half, and that was an absolute gift. Zappy keeps slinging it. Oh, my God. And he is something else. And then we had Miami of Ohio plus 18 against Minnesota. 
in a game that uh, they kept close pretty much the entire way. Scott, my hero play, got dangerously close as I had Toledo. I told you to take a sprinkle on the money line against Notre Dame. They got close, buddy. They got close, but they weren't able to pull it off. That was actually an honorable mention for Donkey of the Day. Might have been the favorite before the Norvell situation happened. I was going to give it to the Toledo guy for not falling down at the one-yard line. Right. You could have just fallen down, game-winning kick, no time left, you win the game. Instead, you score, you left way too much time, and Notre Dame scored in three plays. Yep, yep. Absolute, absolutely bad coaching right there. That was a game that Toledo could have at least at least got, got a push out of it. and taken could have at least overtime. attempted about a 19-yard field goal for the win. Yep. That's right. Oh, that's right. Yeah, that's the way it would have, that's the way it broke down, wasn't it? Yep. The way yeah. it broke down. So all right. Any other uh any other big surprises there? Uh wasn't even a surprise. That was my main that was my main takeaway from the Toledo game. They're clearly the best team in the MAC. <laughs> I mean that that's actually a legitimately good football team. Yeah, we and we talked about that on our on our conference breakdowns that there was Yeah, we both got the win total over. It's just that team is really, really good. When for what I've seen so far, Scott, there appears to be Toledo and everybody else. Yeah, I still Miami think might give them a, a little bit for Ball State and Buffalo is kind of a B tier, but right now Toledo's the A. Yeah, I would I would agree with that. All right, guys, quick reminder that you are listening to Winners and Winers Radio. Give us an hour, and we'll give you the winners. And I'll tell you the game that screwed me, Scott, was Boston College and UMass. Boston College defense couldn't stop them. It was the damnedest thing I ever saw. Just I did the first half, and UMass went on eight minute scoreless drive they didn't even score they took up eight minutes off the clock and got stuffed on like second and goal from the one but i couldn't cover the first half because boston college didn't have the ball for half the quarter yeah you know who else is bad the naval colorado state the naval academy oh god yes how do you lose to how do you lose to vanderbilt at home yeah (laughs) i mean come on you know i had to to bring that up i told you i do i do radio in denver every saturday doing the previews and stuff and that was they always make me pick the local games I had to pick that game. I'm like, come on, guys. I I ended up. I know you mentioned the Naval Academy. I I live bet Air Force oh, when yeah. it was, I believe, three nothing at the time. Yep. Just because I knew that Navy, they don't have it. That that team's just not very good. It took them. It took them a minute to get going. We kind of a, uh, we kind of had a bad beat there in the Nebraska Buffalo game too. Buffalo really hung around, but there were so many just missed tackles on the Martinez run and. Yep. Can you stop sending out the kicker who misses every kick? Would that kill you? Uh, kickers. Kickers. There's like six minutes left. You're down 18. Kicking a field goal, I get it. It's two possessions. But come on. Like, throw the ball a little bit. All right, buddy. So we close out week one in the NFL with an intriguing contest as the Baltimore Ravens will try to fly from Baltimore to Las Vegas without losing any more running backs. They're going to take on the Raiders there at their new home a little bit of a, a little bit of a redux, Scott, as they played season one there in their new digs with absolutely no one in the stands. So it is going to be uh, rocking first professional football game, regular fo- season football game in Las Vegas. How do you have this one, buddy? The way that I look at it is that Baltimore's favored by four because, of course, you know they made the playoffs and the Raiders were awful last year. Having said that. I remember last year, didn't the Raiders give the Saints a serious run for their money in the first game of the season? Yes. Yes, so, they did. I remember that, that rings a bell a little bit. The Raiders played well there. People thought they were actually a good team. The way I'm kind of looking at it the same way I looked at the Golden Knights when they ended up going to Vegas which was the fact that they won basically every home game. I think the Raiders are going to be really, really, really good at home this year because the Vegas crowd, I don't know what percentage are going to be uh, Baltimore fans. If I had to guess, 15% tops. I was going to say 10 to 15, yeah. I'm assuming that it's going to be packed with Raiders fans. It's going to be a madhouse over there. I think the Raiders win the game. Get a, you're uh, catching a decent price on the Raiders, plus 167 on the money line right now. Now, you can try to talk about how Baltimore's the better team and how it's a stupid bet because the Raiders were all I, – I get it. But if the Raiders' issue last year was pass defense – and the Ravens aren't exactly known for being good at throwing the ball, and they're also on about their third-string running back and a couple of recent signees. Fourth-string running back. Yeah, everything is pretty much lining up for you to consider taking the Raiders here. It's it's like Baltimore winning this game wouldn't shock me because Harbaugh, of course, is a better coach than Gruden, but 
with the crowd atmosphere and with all the injuries Baltimore's having, doesn't it just feel like a perfect spot for the Raiders to start the season off right and get a win? Are you, yeah, are you surprised that the Raiders are pretty much stuck as a four point dog in this one? With, with, I, th- I thought it would move to three and a half. Yeah. I mean, I, I thought it might even move through both keys there. I thought it might uh, move to three and a half or even to three. Now, once again, it might because it's post Sunday. Now, this is the standalone game. Right. I'm sure the public will be on Baltimore just because Baltimore, you know, Raiders were terrible last year. Why would I bother? I do think you'll see a decent amount of sharp money coming on the Raiders. See, and I, I was going to go the opposite. I think that the people in Vegas will bet this game down just because it's their local team. Just like, just like you have to pay a Knights tax if you're, go- if you're going to yeah. back the Knights when they play. Oh, that's fair. I kind of just meant like offshore, and if you're in New York or any other place. And you think the sharp? You think the sharp money's on the Raiders here? Yes, I think 100 percent the sharp money's going to be on the Raiders. Interesting. I don't know why the sharp money would come in on Baltimore unless it's a contrarian play. If you actually think the majority of the bets going to be on the Raiders, but I don't. I just don't see it. You know, and I know this used to be a lock, and I, I haven't seen the stats lately. But home dogs on Monday night usually pretty fair good. bet. Yeah, but. Yeah. I, I mean, you can make an argument for either side on which team would most likely get bets, but the general public, I think they're going to back the playoff team from the last couple of years in comparison to arguably the last place team every year in the AFC West. Well, now, wait a minute. The Raiders were 8-8 eight and eight last year. They they ended up pl- playing pretty well, especially down the stretch. So oh, I'm aware of the reality. I'm talking about just the perception of the Raiders is Gruden's a joke. This team's not very good. That's the public perception of this team. Are you sure you're not wrong. talking about our perception? Our perception is the Raiders in this spot are good enough to win in, I'd say, a home-filled environment. And I do think that with the crowd and with the injuries to Baltimore, I do think the stars are aligning for a pretty solid Raiders performance. Yeah, I agree. You know, this is a, a really good Baltimore defense, obviously, but they are missing Derek Wolf. They're missing. They also lost Judon in free agency. Went to New England. Right. They, they're they're down Judon. They of course they lost. Um, Marcus Peters. Pe- Marcus Peters to an to I, an I injury. I forgot to even mention that injury. Yeah, their secondary is not the same. Right. You've you've got you've got Marlon Humphrey and Anthony Averett. So, yeah, have fun with that. Um. Yeah. I. I. To me, this has to be a Raiders play. I just. I just don't know. I know Baltimore wants to run the ball, Scott. They they ran they ran the ball more than anybody else in the NFL last year. In fact. Um, the person who got the most carries was, of course, who, Scott? Uh, you got in the league? No, I'm talking about for, for, no, for the, for the Baltimore Ravens. Who led the team in carries? Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson. He was top team and he was top 10 in the NFL in carries, as a matter of fact. So are they going to run him even more with all the problems they have at the, at the running back position? I'm trying to think of what other offense they know. Of course, the Raiders secondary is an issue, but that's why I actually think this is a good matchup for the Raiders because, if you know one team wants to run the ball, right. but your weakness is pass defense, then something's got to give because Baltimore might have to either reinvent itself for one game or they're going to have to try to ignore the pass and kind of just give the Raiders defense what it wants, which is please don't throw against our really bad cornerbacks. So just a quick reminder, the the, Ra- the Ravens are down to Tyson Williams. And if you don't know who that is, he is a undrafted free agent from BYU that they picked up in 2020. That's their going to be their starter. I guess Latavius Murray is going to be their backup in this one, Scott? I mean, they signed him about two, three days ago. It's either him or practice squad Le'Veon Bell. Um, yeah, well, it's it's uh, right now it's Trenton Cannon is your third string back. Yeah, so if you're a team that wants to run the ball and you don't have any running back depth and you're also not very good at throwing the ball, I'm trying to figure out how Baltimore with an injured secondary, is going to be able to generate enough big plays to keep up with the Raiders, which I know sounds crazy, but without Peters, don't you think Carr should actually have a lot of holes in the secondary to exploit? Yeah, yeah, I do. I think I think that they're going to stretch uh, this Ravens defense and then send Waller on his crossing pattern underneath and just beat the hell out of this team. I look, for, I I look for Waller to have a huge game. One thing to keep in mind that a lot of people might not realize but kind of do, Derek Carr, still underrated. I think he's pretty good. Yes, yeah. I think he's good enough to take apart on a weakened, I'd say, man-down secondary. And I think that with Peters being the man down, 
I think he can go for 300 plus yards and a couple touchdowns. And remember, if you've got an offense that continually goes three and out and doesn't give your defense a chance to catch a breather, when that second half rolls around the end of the third quarter and all the fourth quarter, all of a sudden that defense is a half step slow. And in the NFL, a half step is everything. So just if, if you've got the Raiders and it's a little bit of a sweat early, I wouldn't panic. I'd think you might be okay as long as the defense keeps the Baltimore Ravens from going on long sustained drives and giving the defense a rest. Yep, I agree with that. All right. Well, Scott's not the only sport in town. We've also got a little baseball, and we're coming down to it, buddy. Got um, a lot of really, really important games going on. I know you're a Yankees fan, and it was a heartbreaking game yesterday as the Yankees came back, tied the Mets, only to, for some reason, pitch to Lindor, Scott. What was that about? I, I don't know. He, he, had, he had his third home run. Green gives up a home run every time he pitches. Grooving him, a, lot of, a lot of question marks. Grooving him a, a 2-0 meatball right down the middle, and, uh, well, a little inside, and Lindor absolutely turned on it and just drove it the hell out of here. So, Giants keep winning. I two and a half game lead now for the Giants. Are they going to be able to pull it off, buddy? I hope they do. I'll tell you that much. They go against Darvish in uh, this one in San Diego. I'm rooting for pure chaos. I want the Dodgers to play the Cardinals in the wild card game, and I want Wainwright to pitch a gem. It would be so funny to me. I'd laugh so hard. Wainwright goes tomorrow against, or excuse me, today rather against Rich Hill. That's a that's a night game. Pretty good price on the Cardinals, Scott. It's pretty it's pretty close to Cardinals even money plus one hundred. Yeah, you can find it minus one hundred seven, minus one hundred three. But the the Mets are actually favored here with Rich Hill on the mound against Adam Wainwright. Can you explain this one to me? Uh, the Mets are allegedly better than the Cardinals. I'm not sure, but Wainwright's home road numbers are pretty ugly. The splits, he's a lot better at home than on the road, but. I got to take the Cardinals here. I mean, the Mets just had an absolute war back-to-back nights with the Yankees. Their bullpen is shot. They have no day off in between. It was a night game as well. If Hill's giving you five, which is what he's going to do, how are you going to get through the sixth and the ninth? Like, you don't have any bullpen, guys. I got to pick the Cardinals. Any value at all, Faden Kershaw in his first start back? Because it, because it is the Dodgers and Kershaw, of course, you're getting an, a massive number it's going to be team total over for the Diamondbacks or pass. You can't take this. I can't take a money line or a, or a spread. There. You can't. You can't take. You can't take the Diamondbacks plus two fifty. You can try, but Diamondbacks on the road, and especially with the bullpen for Arizona, I'm not doing it. If you think Kershaw is going to potentially struggle a little bit, you can probably get a two and a half team total. Okay, very good. All right, buddy. Well, let's talk about the one thing that we have yet to talk about. Is we've gone through the whole Monday show here. This is the time where we put our heads together. A lot of opportunities today, but we have come up with one play that we like better than anything else. It is time for everyone out there, put on your overalls, grab that straw hat, climb on the John Deere, fire that bad boy up, folks, because it is time for Bet the Farm! All right. Uh, Am I doing it today? I think you are. I I actually couldn't remember. I was hoping you would. All good. Anyway, play is going to be on the Astros minus one and a half and minus one ten on uh, minus one fifteen on DraftKings. Astros eleven and four this season against the Rangers. Eight of those eleven wins have come by two plus runs. Odorizzi on the mound for Houston. Three appearances against Texas this season. Thirteen and two thirds innings pitched. Three point two nine ERA. He's also been pretty sharp lately. Meanwhile, you have Spencer Howard pitching for Texas, and he has been awful at home this season. Four and a third innings pitched. Sixteen. 0.62 ERA at Globe Life Field. And Howard has also pitched less than four innings in each of his last eight appearances. Ooh, Texas bullpen. You get Texas bullpen for nine innings, probably like seven, because I'm assuming Howard goes <laughs> two or three. I think Houston scores a bunch of runs. I think Odorizzi pitches well. I'll take the one and a half. Yeah, I mean, you got you got to like that. I'm uh, I'm a little troubled by the fact that Odo hasn't been going long in those last times out, but... You know what? I think it's going to be okay. I, I like this ta- um, Houston bullpen a lot more than I like the Texas bullpen. And if it comes down to a battle of the pens, yeah, live bet the hell out of the Houston Astros right there. So very good, Scott. That is going to be our bet the farm play. Houston Astros on the run line at minus 115 over at DraftKings. And that is going to do it for our show today. We appreciate you guys watching. We appreciate you listening. 
Come back and see us. Good luck on all of your plays today. We'll see you tomorrow on Winners and Winers Radio. Take care, everybody.